clubhouse. Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. Amen. This is Sheila. This is Steph. Welcome back to the Yellowstone podcast from Pod Clubhouse. This episode is episode two of season three, Freight Trains and Monsters. And who boy, it is back with a vengeance. <laughs> I really liked this episode. I thought, again, we don't have quite as much Dutton drama yet, but I think they are building us up to something huge. I was surprised a little bit by the heartwarming moments that we had. I don't feel like we've had too many of those, especially in the last season. You know, as touchy-feely as I feel like the Duttons can get, I, I think this was, you know, as close as we got to that. The the tension is building for sure. Like there wasn't any, you know, trailers bro- blown up. You know, the Livestock Commission didn't mm-hmm. didn't rack up too much of a body count. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we got a sense of where this season is going. Yeah. We we know the enemy now. We know what the enemy is going to be doing. But yeah, this was good for laying out the foundation. So like episodes one and two, I feel like we're now the here's where we're at and here's where we're going. And now I feel like exactly the bombs are going to burst, <laughs> so to speak, after this. Maybe the writers were giving us these sentimental moments with the Duttons to sort of just redeem them a little bit because last season just got real crazy. Everybody was hardcore, like killing everybody. So I thought that they kind of needed to bring it back up to a lighter level, like show us that they're actually like a family, sweet moments. You know, we were talking about this a little bit in the last episode where we were saying, these are some pretty horrible people. Yeah. But yet we still like them. So we still tune in. And I think this was their way to bring the viewership back to their, what's their motivation? Yeah. You know, why they're doing this because, you know, they do love each other. They are a family. So what were some of your favorite sentimental moments? I'm taken with John as a grandfather. I know. So sweet. Like, I feel like he's just stepped up into this role. It could be from guilt. In the last episode, say to Monica that he did feel squarely responsible for Tate's kidnapping um, Mm -hmm. and trying to teach him a lesson. So I think he's trying to just be better. Not just with Tate, but I feel like he's just trying to be better even with his kids. Mm -hmm. You know, from the just from the two short episodes, you know, there's definitely been a shift in how he deals with his family right now. And and Tate is really kind of the front and center focus for how he's reacting differently. Tate was like, I want some coffee after the camp. And he was like, no, you can't have coffee. It'll stunt your growth. But I'm already short, you know? <laughs> I love that part. But I'm already short. <laughs> like, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> Those interactions really stole the show for me in terms of the sentimental moments. But th- I mean, this, this episode was really stacked with them. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it is really nice to see that softer side of John and see that he does care for his family. Even with Rip and Beth, I was pretty shocked by some of those sentimental moments because Beth is pretty hardcore. She doesn't seem to let her guard down. In the very beginning of the episode, Rip makes her breakfast and she's like tearing up about it. I was like, oh my gosh. Like It's like no one's ever cared for her like that or shown her just that simple act of love watching somebody eat is very intimate yeah you know like making them food is is one thing but to sit and just watch them eat and enjoy it's (laughs) Uh just it's very intimate for me it was kind of like a very much like a pretty woman kind of a throwback moment like you know she's eating the pancake and he's just sitting there watching her yeah but for beth very emotional And at the end, where he's like, no, we're just going to dance. He like just wanted to dance with her. Right. Meanwhile, she's thinking something else is going to go down, you know. Out there <laughs> he's like, house. maybe in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and even with Rip and John. 
Yeah. You know, when they that... go up, when they go up to the camp, I was getting a little like little teary-eyed. I know. When they go up to camp and Rip is he takes John aside because apparently there hasn't been time since John wrote the letter to Rip, you know, saying that he, basically he's a son of John's, mm-hmm. giving him the house and John thinks he's thanking him for the house and he's like, "No, thank you for the letter." You yeah. know, no one's ever done anything like that for me before. And it's just like, damn, man, talking at the heartstrings. I agree. The last minutes of the episode with the biscuits. Okay. I don't think I've ever actually cried during Yellowstone, but there was some, some misty eyes. Yeah. Like there was a bad old dust storm up in here. <laughs> 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 for sure. I was like, ah, oh. that was so sweet. Yeah. Like, so for, for that, you know, to, to move both of us, I, I, I feel like. You know, this was the writer's intent was to, to, to bring John back to center mm-hmm. for the viewers to be like, this is why he is the way he is. You know, for him to say that, like, you know, as much as his wife hated making these biscuits, but Casey loved him so much that that was the last thing that she ever said to him was that if I know, you know, as much as she hates making the biscuits, but if she doesn't make them, then she can't watch Casey eat them yeah. and enjoy them. And then like the next day she was killed by the horse. Mm. That was very unexpected, I guess, because we also got to see some emotion from Casey. Like he had to put yeah. his head down and there was a sniffle. Couldn't tell if it was him or Casey or John. But yeah, this one was definitely talking at the heartstrings big time. I, I liked that about the episode, though. I definitely needed, I, I don't know, not needed, but I just liked that there was that included. And it's just not all about business, not all about the ranch. I don't know. I feel like I'm being very cynical here by saying this, but I feel like this is such a bad setup. I know. Bad setup, not in the sense that like something is bad in the writing, but I just feel like something big is going to go down if they're setting it up to be like so attached to these characters again. I don't know. I just right. It just gives me a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. Well, we know the Duttons. We know the storyline. Like something has got to go really wrong. But I mean, they're just sort of setting us up for something big. So speaking of other sentimental moments, I love any time I see Casey and Monica together. Mm-hmm. Like, I love these guys. They are just the cutest. When we were rewatching season two, my husband kept trying to fast forward through. The- I'm like, stop it! I want to see Casey and Monica. He's like, it's not part of what we're You're like because we were just sort of reviewing the highlights. Right. I'm like, no, but I want to see that part. Like, I love when they're together. They're laying in the little tent watching Tate sleep. It's so sweet. Yeah, their interactions really are some of the golden moments. If you ask somebody like who Yellowstone is about, is it about John? Is it about Rip? Is it about Beth? I don't know. I feel like Casey and Monica are really kind of at the core. I feel like they are now. Like they've kind of evolved. I think they, into that yeah, spot. they work this way. Like the season two was mm-hmm. the focus was a lot on them. Like they're a strange relationship. They're reuniting. So I feel like a lot of time was spent on them for a reason. Yeah, this was a very, a very intimate show. I mean, I use that word, but I mean, like yeah. this is where, like, with them at the camp, and she's like, I want a simpler life, you know. When she said that the life that they're leading now, like up at camp and away from the world and their problems and modern conveniences, she said, this is what we seek out on weekends and holidays. You know, I was like, damn, I was like, if that is not a reflection of what is going on in quarantines, I don't yeah. know what, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> is, right? You know, like we've all been like sequestered back to our families and to a much smaller mm-hmm. sort of clan, right? It was an accidental narrative on where we're at right now. Yeah. It's like you don't realize how much of the things you were doing that you don't actually need. Yeah. Like all the things that were on my calendar and it's like, oh, 
I haven't been to the nail salon in three months and I'm still living. It's fine. You know? Right. Yep. I still got fingernails. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all good with me. So it's just so sweet how he's like, just say the word and I'll give it to you. And she's like, this is what I want. But that comment was sort of what made me question where they are with the ranch. Because, you know, Casey and Monica are sort of set up to take over, right? I mean, mm -hmm. John wants Casey to take over, but they're talking about a simpler life. So are they really going to want that life or are they going to want to step out? I feel like they're kind of back and forth. Like they've lived on the ranch, they've left. They've lived on the reservation, they've left. You know, like right. they're kind of trying to find their spot. So I, with that comment made me think oh, maybe they're not really invested in living this ranch life yeah you know i think we touched on that a little bit in the last episode i'm gonna go out on a limb here i'm gonna make a prediction my predictions usually fall flat yeah <laughs> i think the, i think rip is gonna end up running the ranch they're also setting him up for that like they're you know sort of making him part of the family john's giving him some responsibilities and then beth is sort of falling into a life with Rip, it looks like. So they too could be the like ranch owners, you know? Right. It's possible. Beth is still pretty questionable on where she's going to end up though. Yeah, she's still all over the place. But she's yeah. definitely more enamored with Rip than we've previously seen. I agree, yeah. And this episode really highlighted a lot of that. I, a lot know. of sweet moments with them. Yeah. I do have to say, I, I, I did not hate the scene where Casey and Monica were making out in the woods. <laughs> Any scene with Casey, I'm kind of fine with. Yeah. <laughs> and, and shirtless didn't hurt, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. Must be a hot day out there in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> so that made me laugh, though. And then en enter the wolf. Yeah. What's up with the wolf? He's a voyeur. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not only this specific wolf that seems to be showing up, but I was noticing all the howling again. Like, it seems like anytime they're out at that camp, there's a lot of howling. I live in a suburb, so I don't hear any wolves howling, but yeah, don't know if that's a constant noise or is it every once in a while? I don't know, but it seems like a lot. Back in 2012, my husband and I, we went out to Yellowstone National Park and we did, we did our like nine days in the park and it was incredible. We stayed at the Yellowstone Lodge and things like that. So we stayed within the park. The the staff there and the, the park rangers, they were telling us that recently, like in 2012, Wolves had returned to the area. They had been driven off and hunted basically to the point of ex extinction in the Montana Yellowstone area because Yellowstone's in Wyoming and in Montana. They were excited to have the wolves back because, you know, I guess it, it reestablishes their food chain, their, mm -hmm. you know, sort of hierarchies. I, I guess it's not outside the realm possibility that, yeah, that there would be kind of wolves out and about lurking, skulking in the woods. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And we actually got to see a wolf while we were there. It was crazy. What? When you're driving around the park there, it's it's literally one road. It's a double-laned highway, and I use highway very loosely because it's one road. But anytime you see a traffic jam, everyone gets out of their car and be like, ooh, what are we looking at? Because it's some sort of wildlife off in the distance. And there was a wolf who had – I don't think they had taken down the elk that they were munching on, but I think they were more opportunistic of this elk. There's like elk legs up in the air <laughs> and there are wolves feeding. Like there was like four of them. They were feeding oh on this elk. I mean, like we're a good distance away and they just looked up and they looked over and they're like, mm-hmm. And they just went right back to their elk and you could see the red around their mouth and stuff. Oh my oh, gosh. It was bananas. I'm like, this is so cool. I never want to leave. That was in the middle of the day. You get me out there mid like midnight and they're howling. Right? I'd be like scampering into my car and be like, okay, let's let's go back to New York. <laughs> I know. Let's go back to our cement jungle. Yeah. 
awesome. I know the most I think I have like a possum or something that digs holes in my yard, but <laughs> not too scared of him. I'm just annoyed by him. But I mean, like we had to go seek that out, right? So this was yeah. a holiday and, you know, we saved up all our vacation to go there and live in the wilderness for two weeks. Long story short, people, they wanted to, they <laughs> wanted the wolves back. <laughs> okay. They want them there. That's good. Yeah. To okay. So then what did you think about the conversation that Casey ends up having with the same wolf, I assume, later on? Yeah. When he's, Isn't that cool though? He's rattling the cattle, you know, the, the wolf is making the cattle uneasy. I thought it was very interesting part of the show. I liked how they let him speak to the wolf and the wolf did seem to listen. John was watching Casey from behind and he's like, oh, my dad used to do that. He used to be able to speak to the animals and they would listen. I don't know. He gave a warning so i thought it was interesting too though that casey said you lost your pack yeah but i'm not your friend was this like another symbolic foreshadowing there's going to be a wolf attack later i don't know there's going to be something with the wolves because again there's nothing accidental here maybe it's like there's like all these things closing in on them like these big investor group on one side and then the wolves on the other side and like maybe it's just kind of all coming in around them you know that could be like a good allegory for where the duttons are because like yeah you know the, the the wolf lost his pack you know the duttons are losing their pack like the ra- the ranchers are folding around them right because the whole bunch of them sure gave up their property for jenkins to buy his resort and whatnot and then you know you've got the the reservation and they're seeking new lands for their enterprises so you know maybe that is a good allegory and we'll see more of the wolf or the wolf in business suits <laughs> yeah <laughs> instead of sheep's clothing they're in business suits. yeah it's like the wolf of wall street i don't know if yeah. way to montana i guess well, that's funny i really did like the fact that john saw that and said that his father used to do the same thing like he could talk to animals and like the animals would respond not, not that like he's not like dr doolittle but there was like a connection like my vet has a way with my cat and my dog who i live with and i feel like i i know their quirks pretty well he can just like come in and if i try to touch my cat's belly like i'm gonna lose blood <laughs> this guy can go in and like my cat's just like okay so yeah, there are some people just have that like natural connection to animals and you know yeah i just hope that casey uses this for good rather than evil because you know wolves are not necessarily bad but i guess if they're attacking your cattle and that's your livelihood guess it's not so good well you know how they say that the like horses can feel your fear yeah like that's so me around animals i just feel like animals they just sense that i'm just uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) i have a dog so i mean i feel like even sometimes he kind of looks at me like are you a friend or foe today (laughs) so (laughs) i'm not mean to him but i'm just like sometimes i'm just like stop licking me i don't need kisses right now oh god i do the same thing but yeah my dog i guess my dog has decided i'm the alpha (laughs) so like if i start yelling at him he kind of lays down like i'm sorry i think that's it i was very hard on the dog at first because my kids were little and we got him from the pound so I was very like these are my rules you're gonna sleep in the kennel you're gonna not sit on don't get in the kid's face whatever so I would correct him a lot so I think he kind of still looks at me like that sometimes which I don't I let him sit on the couch now I'm nice but you know you gotta establish the rules and then and then let him break them I'm the the one that passes the dog bacon you know yes exactly I know I used to never feed this dog anything but dog food and now I'm like in the kitchen I'm like looking around like throw food on the floor like here you go we made the mistake with our last dog to give him people food and this one we're just like no he's not getting people food but every once in a while like something falls on the floor oops yeah you know oops on accident (laughs) like ooh, there's some prime rib on the floor dog go get that prime rib you're feeding your dog prime rib what just the scraps you know oh okay yeah like good lord no not his own piece (laughs) I have standards I'm like, Sheila, I know we live far away, but you could send it to me. (laughs) Don't give it to the dog. A big part of the episode is Beth 
figuring out this whole puzzle piece with the market equity group. That was an interesting scene. I like how she was like talking it through with her boss and they figured it out. She saw yeah. the puzzle pieces falling into place and she saw the end result and she was like, fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. There's one question that was nagging me with this thing. It's like Jenkins got eliminated, right? In the last season. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Meyer and Schwartz buy up his land? Like if they're buying everything in the valley, right? So they're making a moat around the Dutton Ranch. And this guy is a butt to your ranch. He is right next door at the property Mm -hmm. line. Why didn't they buy it? I thought Rainwater has it now. But then he sold it to Market Equity. I don't know. Yeah, see, that was like a little muddy. Just like Market Equity just kind of showed up with this. And Providence is their, you know, sort of client, whatever else. I feel like with the deal with Rainwater and Jenkins, they had agreed upon this whole casino and the hotel and you have the land and I have this piece. And they had fit their puzzle together. Well, when Jenkins left, market equity group stepped into that same deal is what i was thinking yeah like into the same place so rainwater now has to deal with them and he didn't we didn't even see him right yeah like like where'd he go if he's such a key player for this especially he got like the cease and desist order like i feel like he's definitely prime for some action of his own right i mean i'm sure they'll bring him back around to deal with that too but this seems like market equity group is just gonna take over that too like they're gonna push him out instead of the other way around. So the the puzzle piece that Beth figures out is that they're building an airport. Their big competition is like MGM and Marriott, so like these big resort type places, right? And they figure out what they don't have. They don't have an airport, and they mm-hmm. don't have a ski resort. Beth kind of figures out that that they're going to basically build a city around this area and the Duttons look like right now it looks like the Duttons are just in the way yeah so there it is folks <laughs> front and center for you for the plot line for this season who the enemy is what the enemy is trying to do so they're going to try to find a way to you know squeeze out the Duttons she visits Mr. Creek man yeah Rourke, Rourke. Morris <laughs> kind of a name Rourke. Steph what does she mean with Beth when she says that it's like Lucille Bull and Fabio had a baby when she's describing I, I was like, okay, he's handsome like Fabio, but what? She thinks he's like a clown like Lucille Ball. Like, I mean, I just think Lucille Ball is really funny. Like, yeah. yeah, she's like a goofball. Yeah. So like a handsome goof. That was funny though. She, she was like, now I've got to go deal with this. I enjoyed that scene of her figuring it out. That was good to watch. Yeah. Like it was Beth at her best, I feel. Yeah. So we see her new assistant, right? This poor little Uh woman, Elizabeth. I wonder if she got like the heads up, like what happens to Beth's assistant? Of course not. (laughs) She looks so sweet and innocent. Like I was like, "Mm." I mean, their office is totally put back together. Like, no, this girl has no clue. Right. Yeah. There's no shards left in the, of glass left in the carpet Mm -hmm. or anything like that. She's got no idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. But I loved the scene too when she when Beth went to see Rourke. That was hilarious. Oh, I was laughing out loud. He'd done his homework on her, so he knew yes, that she worked he for knew. Schwartz and Meyer. He's like, yeah, so you're Schwartz and Meyer girl. She's like, I'm nobody's girl. He's like, You're somebody's girl. She's like, Can we stop with the Billy Joel song? He's like, it's Jackson Brown. I was like, <laughs> it was just such a cute little banter that I was just like, Oh, is there something like brewing here? Because we saw it in the last episode. Yes. Do you think there's something brewing there? I think there's some flirting, of course, but I think I think she's too mad. I think she would like him if they weren't competing. Now like sworn enemies. Apparently Bob Schwartz knows the Secretary of the Interior. Fancy. And he's going to find out if they got a lease <laughs> for an <laughs> airport. 
I liked this conversation with Rourke because, so they're going back and forth and they're talking about what he wants to do, what she wants to do. And she's like, is this an airport for you and your buddies and your Gulf streams? He's like, no, think of bigger. So this whole conversation, and she's figuring out that he's playing a big, like a big airport, ski right. resort. Yeah, he's and he's not even mincing his words. He's like, no. The quintessential like Bond villain, like I'm laying out my plan. Here's the strategy of it. I'm going to build an airport, two terminals, 52 gates. Yeah, like he tells her everything. Yeah, there's the, we're picked here because the wind is better here than outside of Livingstone. Damn, he is being detailed. He knows too about Jenkins, and he's he calls her out on the militia. He's like, none of that shit's going to go down. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely amused at the demise of Dan Jenkins and sort of like the shenanigans that went around that. The old west is still wild. He tells her <laughs> yeah. as he's chuckling. Right, he's, like he can't believe that he's this on is top real of life. It. Yeah, like he he's really done his homework. I guess like a good head fund manager should. Right. Right. He asked her pretty much straight up, like, if this was not your family, like, what would you do? Yeah. And she says, I would make it Park City. So she sees that side of it, too. So I'm thinking, okay, is that his role in this show, this season? Is that he's going to be the voice saying, like, you know, sell the ranch, everybody will be rich, and you can just be happy, move on. He said, they don't have to be ranchers anymore. They can just be rich. Right. I think he's going to be the voice, like, putting that little seed in the Dutton's head. Because John seemed kind of over it in this episode. He didn't want to answer his phone. And Casey wants to live out in the wild. And Beth, he's telling her, like, why don't you just make some money and move on? I'm kind of thinking maybe the Duttons would consider or they're thinking in the back of their mind, maybe we don't want to do this forever, you know? So I'm going to give you a little devil's advocate here because at the okay. la- in the last, and I don't think that you're wrong at all, but I'm just going to pu- like, you know, throw this out there because in last season, Malcolm Beck went to visit Beth in her office when he gave her the little threat that eventually oh yeah came to her being beaten to a bloody pulp where he was talking about like, you know, damming up the tributary that sails through the Dutton ranch. And that was, I guess, the same tributary that, you know, Mr. Rourke was, you know, maybe fishing in. So Malcolm Beck in season two offered a, to Beth saying, I think you've done the math in that pretty little head of yours saying that like how much money could the Dutton Power Company make by damming that tributary to provide the electricity for the ski resort, the casino and things like that. So I feel like she's had carrots dangled in front of her before. Yeah. She's chosen her family over mm-hmm. that. Like I, the family heritage of the ranch. Let me like be clear about that. Right. I don't know if that Kara's going to be dangled a second time and she's going to do the same thing. But I'm just gonna, I'm just throwing it out there for discussion. So what do you think about that? I would agree with you. I think she I think she is focused on her family and loyalty. But I think like what if she's later talking to her dad and he says like I don't know how much longer we can do that, you know, and Casey says I don't know if I So if they're sort of planting these little thoughts around as she hears them saying like I don't know if this is really where we're going to keep doing this forever then maybe she's like okay well if you guys aren't 100 percent buy-in then maybe we could sell it right and be the richest ranchers around for real right <laughs> i think it's possible yeah that she could see that side of it and maybe try to sway her family to maybe sell or makes money some other way like make it into a power company or make it into something else so right. i don't know i think that's where beth is going to be this season like yeah i feel like that's going to be the head that this comes to like some in some question about like that yeah for sure i did like the comment as she was leaving mind the flowers when you leave she's like will do and she just barrels over them with her i loved it mercedes <laughs> 
I loved it. And he's like, I like that girl. I know. I thought he laughed. I thought that was hilarious. It's almost like he set her up. She was so angry. You could see like she was just seething. Like she'd already called him an asshole. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was just like the perfect outlet for her anger. I, feel. <laughs> <laughs> I did love it. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. And the horse, like when Monica borrowed the other guy's horse and the, he had to ride that. The unbroke horse. Like he's. Yes. Like, yeah. Unbroken horse. That was cracking me up. I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he's, he's, he actually says that it's Jake is the one the ranch has. He says that the only horse left is like the freight trains and monsters, which is the name of the episode. So, yeah. And he literally had a freight train. I mean, this horse was <laughs> just all of it. took all of his strength to keep this horse from like throwing him off. And, it was and, crack and John even chuckled about it. He goes, why don't you take a better horse? He goes, the horse is broke now after today. <laughs> right. So I, li- I liked that we had a couple of those moments this time. There were a few like laugh worthy moments in this one. Like, you know, John, you know, he's, he's on the phone at the beginning of the episode. And, you know, just after he's having a little conversation with Tate and the coffee and stunting his growth. Like, OK, guys, we got to move the camp. First, I was like, oh, shoot, he wants to, like, be on the phone. Find out that he moves the camp because he doesn't want any signal. He's like, oop, this is where there's no signal. Hooray. It's like they moved it, like, literally. Like 12 feet. Yeah, like 50. (laughs) So I was right over there, like, everything. He's at the fire. They moved everything everything, the fire. They built, like, little structures to keep the horses and stuff. Nah, we got to move it all. That's so funny. Yeah. They were, I'm sure they were all, like, mumbling under their breath, like, oh, my God. But it was just, like, the little chuckle that he gave was like, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's just like, like I, I did it. Like no one can get me now. I loved it. Yeah, so there were a couple like little moments like that that were laugh worthy in this sure. very serious show. So what's next, Jamie? Jamie, oh. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> no, this is so bad. So bad. My first question, whenever we see Jamie, was he's walking into the office of the livestock commissioner, mm-hmm. and he is like grinning. Oh, he's excited. Giddy. He is excited yeah. for his first day. So why? now I, I laugh. Like why? First of all, I laugh because like when in previous seasons, when John and Casey have gone to the livestock commissioner's office, John does not wear a suit. He wears like a button down shirt, but it's undone at the top. There's yeah. no tie. You know, Jamie is there full on lawyered up. <laughs> he yeah. is he's got the three he still looks on. like that politician lawyer yeah you know so but he is he is living the dream right now he's like i got the respect of my family they've made me the livestock commissioner oh yvay he gets told that there's uh some yahoos that like roughed up a lady you know she has <laughs> you do horrible. not rough up a lady you that do, is no. not cool that is not that's not cool in any state it's definitely not cool in Montana. no definitely not so he had to dispatch agent steve hendon who we saw last season oh geez he's got like a little flair for the uh, dramatic this steve hendon well he's got an itchy trigger finger like this guy for just sure. wants to he just wants to like, create the... mayhem i think i don't know i don't know what his motivation is but you know he's definitely like a mayhem causer he's just like a hot mess i mean he shot a freaking kid last time yeah i know that was that it's was crazy not cool I don't even know how he didn't end up in jail over that one. But he finds his way into an orange jumpsuit this time around. Okay, so they show up to this. It looks like a little rodeo or something. And they have the guys like zip tied in a horse pin. And he's like, okay, I got an idea. He sticks them in the back of this horse trailer and he drives them out to the country. And he's just like slamming on the brakes and speeding up so that they're like flying around the horse trailer. Now that I know what happens, I feel kind of like an ass for laughing, but I was kind of laughing at first. Well, I don't think you should feel like an ass because I was laughing wholeheartedly too. Okay, unless good. that just, unless like, that just makes us like horrible people. But it just was funny that they're like rolling around in the trailer. And I thought, oh, like 
that sucks. But, but in fairness, like I didn't think that the first thing that Jamie had to deal with as the livestock commissioner, even though we did laugh about it last episode, I just didn't think it was going to be this bad. Right. Takes him for a ride in her, the girl, the woman who yes, gets, like they her beat rig. up her rig because he's like he quote unquote wants to check to see if there's any damage, and then he you know throws him in the back and swerves all over the road like you said, and then he, he opens it up and oh my god, that was horrible. Like <laughs> I mean, like I know that this is not network tv in the sense of like they can't show things dude their necks were at funny angles yes that was bad blood all over that trailer Ugh. you could just see how much they suffered like not oh i know it was bad it was it was cringy for sure and it just made it like oh that's kind of funny like haha and then it because was like, at one okay, point no, that he's is even like as he's swerving around he's like haha fucker you know <laughs> he slams the steering wheel and i'm just like laughing out loud and then he opens it up like a second later it's like <gasps> Oh, no. That is not okay. That's not funny. Ah, it was awful. He calls Jamie and he's in an orange jumpsuit getting the collect call. Okay, so, but what's Jamie going to do? This is bad. We literally just cleaned up. We just got Jamie back in, like, good graces. So he has to do something right here. Literally, like, just stepped out of the governor's office, like, 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, that was Friday, this is Monday. Yes, exactly. Like, like the rodeo was over the weekend, and here we are Monday morning, and he's getting the phone call from Steve. I don't know how Jamie's going to come clean out of this one, because now two dudes are dead. They had just a body count of six from the last Livestock Commission foray. (laughs) We did say it last episode that this was going to be, like, Jamie's going to mess this up somehow. There's no redemption for Jamie at this point. Like, I feel like he's just being hung out to dry. I mean... He has to prosecute this guy, like Hinden. He he has to like actually be like tried. He has to own up to this. There is no covering this up. No. Maybe Jamie can deal with it on the up and up and handle it smoothly. But like this guy's going to have to pay like the price for all of these things. Maybe that is how he redeems himself is that he does like, like does this one by the book. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, because he did do it. I mean, like, you know, Steve, like in hindsight, like to watch it back. Yes, I watched it again. Yeah, it was funny the first time because you don't know. But then when you watch it the second time, you're like, oh, dear Lord. Like the second time he slams on the brakes. I'm like, that's gonna snap a neck. Oh, gosh. So yeah, so maybe that is how Jamie, you know, kind of comes through this sort of redeems respect from his family. I agree. Like he is gonna have to do this one by the book for sure. He better. How is John gonna react? How's Beth gonna react? But he didn't tell the guy to rough him up. Well, yeah, he did. He said that they needed to be taught a lesson. Yeah. You know, they agreed on that. He didn't tell him to do that. This Hendon guy, he's just, he's gone rogue too many times. Like, he's yeah. now getting them into trouble where they're trying to fix fix those bridges. Mm-hmm. I think he's just going to be the one that gets hung out here because it's just like, there's no more covering for him. There's no more, you know, there's no more solutions that John can come up with. Like, the, the last one I feel was like so neatly buttoned up. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to resign and, you know, you're going to stop looking. And that was like perfect. And I just feel like, like they're out of solutions with this office. I just feel like the governor's going to be like, and the Duttons are out. Oh, yeah. There's going to be some bigger fallout for the Duttons on this one. Not that they can't be like held liable for anything, but I just feel like mm-hmm. there's going to be some punishment that comes their way. That was terrible to watch. Let's I was move like, on. Yeah. <laughs> what? So that leaves us with tighter. Is it teeter or tighter? Okay. She says tater. Tater. That's what she yeah. said. But if you look up the cast, it says her name is teeter. Teeter, right. Yeah. T-E-R, which is not a teeter. Like, what the? Like, Tater, I thought, okay, maybe that's her nickname. Like, her name's Taylor, and that's what her family called her right. or something. You know? But Teeter makes no sense. 
I have to say, <laughs> I'm pretty offended by this portrayal of Texan. I am born and raised 100% Texan. I don't live on a ranch. I did not grow up on a farm. I've never had a horse, but I'm still Texan. I 100% agree with you. I'm really not offended. It's just hilarious. But I'm like, <laughs> seriously, that is over the top. Like, I am from a small town. And a small town, which is surrounded by even smaller towns. Mm -hmm. My grandfather grew up on a farm. And so I know some country people. Like I went to high school with guys who wore Wranglers and belt buckles and cowboy hats. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I do know some cowboys. They don't talk like that. <laughs> Nobody I know talks like that. Like, so at first they thought that she was speaking a foreign Spanish. language. At first they couldn't identify it. And then they're like, yeah. is that Spanish? And it turns out, no, it was just Texan. And then Rip says, I can smell it a mile away. I was like, oh, hell no, boy. Like, that is not what Texans sound like. I'm going to stay away from this one. I am from New York. <laughs> I have visited Texas a handful of times. Some of my dear friends live in Texas. None of them sound like that. I'm going to say, but they don't sound like that, do they? No. So I'm going to say that that is a rural, maybe oh gosh. closer to like, uh, and, and Arkansas, maybe, kind of a, maybe. a dialect? I don't know. We watch these ahead of time, right? So people yeah. who are listening. So we get to watch these in screeners. So they're, I watch everything with closed captioning because, first of all, like... <laughs> oh, I, you did? I didn't watch this. No, I watch everything with closed captions, like, in my life because it, it helps fo me focus because I'm, like, all over the place. Then when we do podcasts this way, we have the right information and we have, like, the right dialogue and things like that and character names. Yeah. So our screeners don't have closed captions. So I'm just like, exactly. I don't know. Like, what, what did she, she say? <laughs> what did she say? So, and then I went to IMDb to look up the actresses and like, is it Teeter or Tate? Because I couldn't understand what she was saying. And she was just, whoo, she's a lot. So, <laughs> so, they, so they're having this job fair, right? Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they're hauling out all these little cowboys and cowgirls to hire some ranch hands. Early in the episode, John is talking to Rip about, you know, having a female in the bunkhouse. He doesn't want any love struck cowboys. Right. But Rip is like, hey, but, you know, the female hand that they had before Avery, that she was, you know, she kept the bunkhouse honest. And, you know, so Rip concedes that he'll hire a ranch hand that's a female, but she's got to be mean and ugly. Yeah. You know, or ugly. Mean or ugly. Mean or ugly, right. Mean or ugly. And, you know, <laughs> like that's the compromise with John. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really get a good look at Tighter. 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 I mean, I can sound like her if you want me to. But I feel like you have to really try. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like it's I not would... natural for your Texan accent to kind of go that no. way. She's mean. She definitely comes yeah. off as mean. She's but... going to be mean. I don't think she's ugly. I thought she was pretty. She's I thought she was pretty. Yeah. Cute I mean, little blonde. But just like when she says her name, like you can see all of her teeth. So I don't know. Just... <laughs> Tater. Yeah, exactly. So Tater. I know you can't see us, but we're doing it. <laughs> That's so funny. The way that like, she did oh it in this gosh. show. I saw like a preview about some of her scenes and they are hilarious. I can only imagine. You know, the comedy relief that Jimmy provided when he was becoming a ranch hand, this is the new comedian. So she's going to be funny, but whatever she says, I'm going to bring it up. Like, I'm just going to bring it up because I, I, I think nobody this talks like to be like how we end the podcast from, yes. from like, you know, here on out, like moments with Steph Tater. Tater. Stephanie's going to make a list of all the things that Tater said, Teeter said, that are not Texan. But did you hear what Lloyd said to Rip when they're like trying to figure out, A, if she's speaking English? He says, she's the type of kid who got driven to school wearing a <laughs> hockey helmet. <laughs> yeah. Is that something they say in Texas? Like no, I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. I, so I was asking my husband, I was like, okay, 
seriously like how over the top is that he's like for real where we grew up is sort of on the border of texas and louisiana so okay. a lot of our people have very thick cajun yes, accents which okay. is also very hard to understand mm -hmm. like i have more people in my life that i struggle to understand because of their cajun accent she was not cajun no <laughs> but even then it was still over the top so we were talking about all of these texan things so we were t going through our friends and family like okay well we have a uncle bucky and we have a friend named buckshot we have an aunt may or whatever but these are all nicknames mm -hmm. like these are not their real names are like justin and paul you know like these are not right, yeah. <laughs> uncle bucky's name was albert so like yeah everybody has like a funny nickname or whatever but that's not what they're really named right we're not naming our kids tater tater so right or it's tater. just we were laughing about it yeah right <laughs> Like we do, everybody has a mama and a papa. That's that's just how it is. I don't know. Do you guys, like, what are y'all? We have mamas, papas, and pappies. We have a lot of pappies. No, we don't have pappies. Um, my son calls my mom nanny. In the Irish uh -huh. culture, usually uh, grandmothers are called granny. We're not uh -huh. very inventive. There's a lot of nanas. <laughs> nanas, yeah. I've really never heard grandma, like, in the Irish culture. Mm -mm. Um, it's granny or nana. But, like, friends of mine have mama, mima you know yes. for grandma which i just find so endearing like i don't know it's just such a nicer like grandma yeah. grandma sounds very sterile like i yeah. shall call you grandmother yeah <laughs> it's like no you have to have a cute nickname we have a granny and we have a nanny and so she's like well i can't have any of those names because they're already taken and so she mixed them together we call her granna granny and nana like, yeah. mixed together so we we kind of make up our own grandma names my son decided that he was going to call her nanny. It was just how he had um, he had some speech difficulties when he was younger. And like his tongue wrapping around grandma was not happening. Yeah. So it became like nanny. And then like nanny. And then we actually have a nanny like my mom's aunt when we were growing up. We're immigrants. So like, you know, the family you've got here is, is all of your family. Yeah. So she was our, our nanny. So like the, we call my mom now nanny 2.0. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had nanny too. And uh. But then her mom was also a nanny. So then we called her Great Nanny, which I thought was sweet because she was a really great nanny. That is really cute. I'm going to have my eye on this Texan. Yeah. And I am going to be making a list. Okay. Of all of these I'm inappropriate in. Texan references. <laughs> I got it. I got you because she. I feel like she's going to just, I don't know, rip through the, the bunkhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I, I like her. I'm not saying I don't. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and then you know the the comment from Riff is that you know we're EEO here at Yellowstone now. He's he's yeah. talking to Beth like we're hiring cowgirls now, and he's like <laughs> they work twice as hard and eat half as much. I'm like oh my god. Although she seems like the kind of cowgirl who could eat her weight in taters. In, in taters. <laughs> I mean, she, like I can't. Like I, I people tell me all they're like you're gonna eat all that. I'm like yep, sure am. <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe okay. Whenever we talk about tater. Whatever her name is. <laughs> teeter Tater. I'm not sure. I'm gonna call it Teeter. You call it Tater, I'll call it Teeter, and then we'll yeah. we'll eventually get it sorted out, I'm sure. Yeah. But <laughs> anytime we talk about her, I'm gonna bring out my Texan accent, okay. play it up. So we're gonna we're gonna go Texan. All right. Sounds good. So. <laughs> so all in all, what'd you think of the episode? I loved it. I laughed. I cried. This was a lot of like emotion. Yes. I, I definitely feel like this is going to be the end of the conversation for the most part. I feel like there's going to be a lot more action. Oh, yeah. Though with the uh, the market equities, like the fact that this is such a business oriented kind of a plot line. I don't know. I, I just feel like we're going to have to pay attention to the ins and outs of the interior and uh, yes. the hedge fund managers. I just feel like we're going to have to pay a lot of attention. Most of the Duttons are going to feel like so in over their head with this yeah it's all gonna be on beth for sure yeah 
I really like this one too. You know, this was a way for the the writers to bring us closer to the Duttons again. Yeah, for sure. I just cannot wait for the next episode. I know. I'm excited. We're talking about the show. I have people watching it. Like you guys, if you haven't seen this show, I'm making them like binge watch it. It's I'm like all in. Yeah, same. Number one fan. Same. Yep, girl. This is Sheila. This is Steph. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.